Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Show. If you ever wanted to get into commercial property but don't know how to, this is the show for you. We're going to take you through live market updates, how to put a deal together, what the experts say about commercial property and real life investor journeys and how they became financially free through commercial property. Sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Welcome to Commercial Property Investor Show. Today I have Leslie Gates here with me. She's from Homes Strata Reports. Now she does a very important job helping people to find out if the strata they're buying into, which means that if you're buying an apartment, if you're a residential, or if you're buying, say, a tilt slab warehouse or a office space or even a retail shop, that you're actually going to be buying into a body corporate or a strata to see if they actually are running the the corporation, the management of that property and those um, complexes properly, and that they're doing it, maximizing all of uh, all of the money and income that's coming in, as well as making sure they're keeping an eye on all the expenses and making sure they're taking care of the property. So her role is really, really essential. And I cannot stress enough that you should be getting a strata search if you are buying a property that's part of a body corporate or part of a strata complex. So without much ado, I want to welcome Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> Sorry, which was hot, but um, what um, I thought we could start out with perhaps explain a little bit about what is strata and um, and effectively what is the responsibilities of a strata manager. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, the strata and it, the terms vary from state to state. So in Victoria, they call it an owners corporation. In New South Wales, they call it strata. And in Queensland, they call it body corporate. So it's really the same um, thing. It's just different terminology. So we'll call it strata title just to make it easier because we're, you know, I work in New South Wales. And it's a type of ownership where um, you buy an individual lot or unit, but you're also responsible along with all the other people in the building for the repairs and maintenance and management of the whole building. Um, so it could be a multi-complex, whether you've got 200 lots or you might have four lots or that sort of thing. Um, but you have ownership over your own particular unit along with everyone else for the shared, well, shared, say the shared areas, so it might be the foyers and the gardens and the rooftop and all of those sorts of things. So when you buy into one of these plans, you have to look out for the hidden expenses Um that it may not be obvious when you first start looking at the records. Okay. So um, essentially a strata manager, so they mm-hmm. manage multiples of these, I guess, across um, New South Wales. I mean, how do they get appointed? How do, what are they saying? They run day-to-day operations. What do they, what do they mainly do? Mm-hmm. When a strata plan is first set up, they might appoint a strata manager and the owners will determine what the responsibilities are. So the strata manager will say, okay, we we need to set a budget, we need to set the levies, we need to work out um, whether the property is insured properly, uh, what repairs and maintenance are needed. And then we've got to look at, or the strata manager needs to look at things like um, the building codes, what are the repairs and maintenance, and some of these big buildings have to meet certain fire regulations, 
um, uh, work health and safety regulations, um, and that's what a strata manager, they're sort of guiding all the owners as to what um, needs to be done to make sure that they're fully compliant because if they're not, um, they can be given fire orders which end up costing a lot of money if you haven't got the proper equipment in there. Um, or if it doesn't meet the proper fire orders and there is a fire, then that can null and void the insurances. So the strata manager really needs to keep on top of all of these things and advise the owners um, what direction to take. Mm. And I've, I know that um, when normally you have, when we normally get into a contract um, in the commercial says anyway, and it's strata, an agent usually provides some kind of a disclosure statement. Sometimes it provides some uh, AGM minutes. Um, sometimes it provides some strata minutes. Now, is that sufficient? For most people, you know, they might go back one year, 12 months, or sometimes two years if we're lucky. Um, is that sufficient information for someone who's doing business on the property? No. <laughs> it's so like what? if you were buying a car and you just opened up the um, hood of the um, or the bonnet and you had to look in and then closed it again, you know. Yeah. Um, unless you actually get a mechanic to get, sort of take it for a run and look at it, but, you know, in, uh, in depth, you really don't know what you're buying. Yeah. Um, I found that, just having even one or two annual general meetings and just the financial statements and insurances, which is what you get in your disclosure statements, that tells you what's happening now. It doesn't tell you what happened five years ago and it doesn't tell you what's going to happen in the next 12 or 18 months. So I always use the example of um, uh, mascot towers or opal towers in Sydney, the buildings that are falling down. In the engineers' reports were in the records up to five years before that happened. So if I was looking at them, I would have said, look, you know, there's major problems. There's an engineering report that says it's going to cost $5 million to fix. Um, that's a problem. <laughs> so that's the past. So it's good to look at that. I just did one a residential um, apartment block up here and the lady said, oh, is it okay? And I said, well, I know it's got a history, this building, and it had um, major defects from day one. And it's been going on for 10 years and it's been leaking for 10 years. So that wasn't obvious in the minutes of the meeting, but it was when you go back a little bit further, um, more than two years. Then also looking into the future, if when I look at the records, it's not just the minutes of the meeting. I go through the emails, the work orders, um, the um, any quotes, any building reports. So often I find, and I found this the other day, that there was a quote for a roof replacement of $300,000. It was a 10-lot scheme and there was no money in the sinking fund. Mm. So that's not obvious and you certainly wouldn't find that information out in the AGMs. They don't put that in the minutes. Mm. So it's so, like you really need to be a detective and go in a little bit further and find out all the information. Hmm. Um, the real estate agent only has to disclose or even the, the vendor only has to disclose a certain amount of information. They don't have to disclose the fact that they're going to raise a special levy next year or the roof's falling down. They don't have to do that. Hmm. So that's why people engage you, your services, um, because a lot of people out there don't know, so they don't. They just look at it, what's there, and then they keep going. So primarily when you do a strata search, what does that entail? 
um, I go into the strata manager's office or sometimes I can get them the records electronically, especially with COVID-19, and I start digging. I pull out, yes, the minutes of the meetings. That gives us a rough idea of what's been going on, um, financial statements going back two or three years. But then I really start looking through, this morning as an example, I was looking through the correspondence and there was 3,000 emails. Well, I don't have time to read 3,000 emails, so I looked at the subject line and each of the subject lines said, uh, roof leak, number one, roof leak, number two, roof leak, number one, roof leak to leak number five. And that was going back over a five-year period. And the reason I found one email that said, you know, we really do need a roof replacement. It's going to be $53,000, but we haven't got the money. What are we going to do? Let's defer it. So um, just reading that correspondence, even just the subject lines, that really told me a lot about the plan. And then I would start, straight away start looking at have they got any quotes or have they got a building report that says, okay, the roof needs to be replaced? And I would grab a copy of that. Um, and so, yeah, where I find most of the information that's relevant to a purchaser, and for certainly if I was buying in, is through the work quarters, the quotes, the building reports, and the email correspondence, because that's giving me an idea of what is happening right at this very moment and what is likely going to cost the purchaser a huge amount of money in the next sort of 12 to 12 months to two years. Yeah. Yeah, and um, is there, um, I guess, is there a point where you tell the purchaser, well, this is not it, you walk away, or but that's an independent decision? That's an independent decision. I'm an independent person, so I give what I call the good, the bad, and the really ugly, so you can make an informed decision. If it's a financial problem, you've got two or three years of financial statements, you could speak to your accountant about that. If it's a building uh, issue, if it's an engineer's report, I'm not an expertise. So you might then take it to a builder, get the builder to have a look at that um, report and seek some advice on that particular thing. Um, you've got, if you look at the whole picture, if you get you know, a couple of years in the past, the present and the future, it gives you a good idea of is this a good investment uh, one particular lady, she got a bit worried because scaffolding went up around the building the day after she purchased or signed a contract. And there was $250,000 sitting in the sinking fund, which is really great. But there was a reason for that, was the, the roof had been leaking. They were um, putting on a roof replacement and the quote was about two hundred and twenty or 230000 So... When you get all of the facts, then you can make an informed decision. So even though there was a, a history of roof leakage, they were getting the roof replaced, they had the money, they'd raised a special levy and it was all being done. So when you look at that, you, you wouldn't walk away. It's like, okay, well, then that's great. There was no other problems in that strata plan. But when you look at it as a whole... I find that most people, what they don't like is surprises. You don't want to buy into a strata plan, find out the day after you purchase that, I don't know, the local councils put a fire order on the building. There was one strata plan where they had 71 fire doors that have to be replaced and they were $2,000 a fire door. Wow. So I think I did the calculations. That was about... Um, about $146,000. $146, 
Mm. Okay, just for fire doors, and there were other upgrades that had to be done in the building, and there was no money in the sinking fund. Yeah. So it's those surprises that you don't want to have. If you know about them before you purchase, then that gives you, as your buyers, um, some negotiation tools. You might be able to negotiate your purchase price because you know it's coming. Okay. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, I mean, in, in most of our, our contracts in commercial, we've got the due diligence period. This is when we engage Leslie to actually do the works and we get feedback and we have a discussion with the client whether this becomes deal breakers or not. Um, I guess the thing is um, what happens, like why does a, does a strata, I guess, um, manager or for that particular lot do they run out of money does it they just raised insufficient sinking funds you know to prepare for things that's upcoming or is it just a decision that's been made that they don't need to well it's a bit of a bone of contention with strata managers um sometimes it's poor strata management they have poor financial or budgeting skills they're not allowing enough money for future expenses or it could be that the owners have decided that they want to keep the levies low. Right. Um, but there should be guided. One of the biggest reports I tend to go for straight away is what's called a sinking fund forecast report or a capital works forecast report. So that's an independent builder that's come in. He's looked at, the, looked at the building and said, look, going by the age of the building, your roof will need replacing in 10 years or the guttering needs to be done next year. And he'll work out how much money the owner should be raising towards the future capital work expenses. So he might say, look, you need to raise 20000 a year over the next couple of years or CPI indexed or whatever he says. And so that goes on the meeting and the, the strata manager will say, going by the, the report, you should be raising 20000 a year for the next 10 years. And the owners will say, oh, we haven't got any money, so we're not going to raise that. We're only going to raise 5000 a year. So the strata manager will guide them, but if the owners don't agree to it, they can do whatever they like. So the problem is that, and that's why it's good looking at the history, if I see over a five-year period that they haven't increased their sinking fund over five years or they're not raising enough money over that five-year period, then when a major expense comes up, they're not going to have the money to pay for it, which means it's a special levy. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then that is indefinite. Sometimes special levies can go on for, for a while. It's not a once-off um, kind of expense. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us some case studies of, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, I wrote some down, some because... We live near the sea up here, so we have major problems with concrete spalling. Mm. Um, we have uh, what's quite relevant at the moment is the building codes. Quite a few of the older buildings may be, they were built to a certain code, so like the balustrades were or the balconies were a certain height. Now the balconies have to be higher. So that costs a lot of money. If you had to replace, you know, 100 or 200 balconies, <laughs> that's going to cost quite a bit of money. Um, we've had the, the fire door upgrades, all of those sorts of things. The um, roof membranes, because our weather patterns are changing in Australia, we're actually getting more water than we've ever had before. Mm. So one just recently 
the roof was built to code, um, I think, in the 1960s. But because we're getting more and more water, particularly up here in northern New South Wales and Queensland, um, the water isn't getting off the roof fast enough, so there's insufficient slope on the, the roof. So the, they've been told that the roof has to be replaced completely. It has to be a higher roof. Um, so the water gets off really quickly, but they also to have to replace all the guttering so it can manage all of the water. So we're talking, you know, half a million dollars here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so they're the type of things that I'm finding. But I went back through some of the commercial ones that I've done for you um, is, uh, well, I'll tell you about a good one. Uh, we've spoken about this one before. This is the Pegasus Complex on the Gold Coast at Bundle. Um, what I found with that one, which was really great, they had really good strata management, mm. which helps a strata plan if you've got a very good strata manager on board. Um, they had lots of money in the sinking fund, which was mm. great. But they were licensing out some signage on the outside of the building. So they had the Commonwealth Bank and I think they had uh, Fitness First. Mm -hmm. They were licensing those um, signs and the money came back to the owners' corporation, and huge amounts of money, and they were putting that in the sinking fund and reusing that to refurbish the building. So the building was really great, in great condition, but it also decreased the levies you know, the levy contribution. So everyone was really happy. So that's, that's one of the best ones that I've done in yeah. a long time, the commercial ones. So that's mm. the good. Mm. Um, the bad was Southport Central. So I'm just giving a few ideas. That one had a long-running legal dispute. Mm. And that was quite a complicated one because I think there was three or four strata plans or body corporate plans and they had mixed residential, commercial, had car parking. Um, they, they were fighting about um, the shared expenditure. Um, yeah. So, um, and that was, I don't know whether they've got that sorted out, but that's, you know, something that can be uh, long-term and it was eating up a lot of their funds in fighting the legal, you know, um, aspects of that and there was also very high insurances and I think they were working out why the insurance was so high in that particular building yeah we've had a couple um, of issues with really high insurance I've seen that spike in um in yes so when you're looking through the books and the records it's good to find out what the history of the insurance claims are because if they've made lots of insurance claims that can you know put the insurance policy premium up or it might be that they've got asbestos in the building, which is why it's good to get a report. Mm. I did one, oh, there was a couple of them at Tweed Heads. They were all built in the 60s. They've all got asbestos. Mm. And the insurer said, if you get rid of the asbestos roof, which was disintegrating, your insurance um, would come down by at least two-thirds. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that, they were going to get rid of the asbestos roof because I think their insurance per year was about $20,000. So if, you know, if you brought that down, a, yeah, a new yeah. roof was going to cost $30,000. So yeah, yeah. Um, that's a one thing to have a look at. And then um, if there's any cladding or that sort of thing, the buildings that have still got cladding because the government hasn't made a determination about that, the insurance policies are quite high at the moment because of the risk involved. So because of your commercial lots, 
if you were buying into an industrial area, a good thing to look at is all the different tenancies. So is there a high-risk tenancy in there? Up here, um, you know, in Byron Bay, there's a lot of um, surfboard manufacturing Yes. Um, and apparently that's really, really high risk from an insurance point of view. Yes, yes, so because if, it's, um, that the materials they use is flammable. Yes, so if you were buying into one, if there were three or four surfboard manufacturers in that particular plan, your insurance premium might be very high. <laughs> so that's just something to look at. Yeah. Um, I also did one where it was an industrial scheme where I noticed and wrote down... There was 20 lots, but there was at least 100 emails over a three-year period about roof leakages, mm. okay? And that was because the, they kept on going up onto the roof and they were putting solar panels and um, skylights and whirly gigs and air conditioners, and every time they cut into the waterproof membrane, they damaged it, and so every time it rained, everyone got wet. <laughs> So that was a bit of a nightmare, that one. Mm -hmm. I call the ugly. Yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, I think what we normally look for anyway in, in commercial is, you know, the roof, mm. the air conditioning and the lift, right? And, and it sounds like in Strata some of the biggest costs when, you, when people are buying are similar to those things, mm. um, and particularly roofs and leaks, um, obviously, yeah. The roof and leak leaks is the big one. A lot of people just start going, you know, one lady is worried about subsidence and different other things. And I said, well, if you start at the top, if you stop the water coming down into and underneath the building or through the building, mm -hmm. then um, you stop everything else. There was one building that was leaking and the water came down through the lifts mm -hmm. and through all of the fire and... Um, uh, electrical circuitry so it fried all of the circuitry in the building so again you've got to look always to the roof fix that and you've stopped you know 90% of the problems in the building mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so well, I think that's, uh, I think that's uh, those are really really key things so if um, before we finish off if someone is um, getting unable to use it purely because of logistics what are some of the tips you could give them no, can't hear. Ah, now I can hear you. I couldn't hear you before. Sorry, I'm not sure why. I'm not on mute, but um, uh, I'm just thought that um, if for those people who can't utilize your services because of borders or because they're located mm. in places that don't have electronic records, um, what are some of the tips you might give them to, I guess, start out and to just preliminarily to find the big problems? Um, yeah, because not all starter search agents same job that you do they don't always work our job so yeah what are some of the quick tips um make the appointment and get in there the strata managers won't help you they'll just give you a computer or they give you a set of books and and that type of thing take your phone or take a scan or something and just scan in as many documents as you can and read them at home don't read them there because you've got a limited time Get the minutes of the meeting, that's great, and get the financials, that's fine, but go straight into a folder, if you can find it, that's called reports, building reports, and there'll be another folder called insurances. So go in and find out if it's insured and if there's any claims and all of that type of things. Um, then go and look at all of the correspondence. Sometimes 
nothing's there because the strata managers sort of like to hide them so that they can't so that we search agents can't find them but you can find them all different ways so if you read, read the minutes and they I sometimes I see it mentioned an engineer's report and it's like oh okay so then I go looking is the engineer's report in the building reports no is it in the correspondence no it's like well where is it where is it and there's a folder called working file or working folder, okay, go into that one. <laughs> You'll find things in there that you won't find anywhere else because they're the current things that they're working on, okay. So I found in their quotes for huge amounts of money or fire orders or engineers' reports because they're currently working on it. So it's not anywhere else in the folders, nowhere else in the files, but it's in this working folder. Some of the strata managers hide it and I just, um, and if you don't be backwards and coming, for, coming forwards, go in and say to the strata manager, I want the engineer's report, I want the fire report, I want the cladding report, I want this, I want that. And they don't like me, but <laughs> that's what you've got to ask. You're entitled to those, um, but they're not necessarily obvious. So you've got to start you know, asking questions and uncovering things and um, get as much, you know, information as you can. Yeah. I mean, it's all about information collection. They're making a judgment on the balance of all that information. Mm. The, the information should be there, but I found that the strata legislation has changed. Um, they're supposed to be making everything more transparent for the purchaser, but I found it's actually gone the opposite way because they don't want to foil a sale. Yeah. But that's why you do your due diligence. You, The onus is on the purchaser to actually uncover all of the facts so that they can make an informed decision. But if the records aren't there, how can you make an informed decision? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then finally, how do people find out more about what you do? How do people find out more about what you do? Oh, you can go onto my website at homestratareports.com.au or just Google um, the importance of strata reports. You know, there's a stack of information out there and um, they'll sort of, you know, tell you what you should be doing and what you should be looking for. Um, if you're looking for a strata agent, um, you can do it yourself, of course. Um, go in prepared um, and know what you're actually looking for. But if you want a strata search agent, have a look and just see what is their track record have they got professional indemnity insurance? Have they got any sort of qualifications? You know, all of those sort of things because there's a lot of people out there that may not be um, uh, qualified <laughs> or may not know what they're looking for. And, they, you know, they do a reasonable job, but you want someone that's very thorough and, you know, meticulous with with the work that you want so you know don't be afraid to ask questions i've had solicitors ring me up and say are you independent and i'll go yes <laughs> you know and so i'm actually put on my website now that i've got no vested interest in the outcome of the sale but i've also found that you know sometimes a real estate agent has been doing the strata report well that's not independent because he's got an interest in the sale you know he, he's going to get a commission and um you want someone that you can really um, trust 
that is going to give you all of the information that you need. Absolutely. Well, on that note, um, thank you very much for your time and all the tips. Uh, we will put a link to uh, your website in the, uh, at the bottom so people can click on it and find you. Otherwise, um, Google Homes, um, Homes Strata Reports, and you'll be able to find Leslie as well. So she does in New South Wales as well as Queensland. But we always come to her and just find out if there's electronic copies available for any of the copies we put our clients through. If there is, then um, we get um, Leslie to do it. So um, thanks again, Leslie. And well, um, thank you. Do your due diligence. That's what I'm. <laughs> And um, yeah, and, and thank you. And it's just, it's never, it's always good to, um, to make sure people are more informed about the situation. Oh, yes. Yeah. We don't want any surprises. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you on the next episode. So um, tune in. Uh, we've got a lot more different topics for people coming up uh, in our next podcast. So um, we will see you on the next one. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to Commercial Property Investor Show. Tune in to the next episode to find out how you too can replace your work income with passive income through commercial property.